Hello and welcome to the Staying Connected podcast from AFI. We heard in our previous two interviews with AFI's policy team leader Stacey Rees and the ACT Minister for Disability, Emma Davidson, that there's significant concern around changes to disability policy at the federal level, particularly in relation to the NDIS. It's an important time for advocacy organisations like our own to be present alongside people with disability, listening to their concerns and ensuring those concerns are heard by government and continuing the good fight for disability rights and a more inclusive society. Today I'm pleased to welcome Nicholas Lawler, CEO of Advocacy for Inclusion, back to the podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, Nick. Thanks very much, Rob. Great to be here. Thank you. Our organisation, Advocacy for Inclusion, is currently going through, I guess, what you might call a, a season of significant change. We're going to talk about that, but maybe a little bit later. I thought we might start with your take on the state of health of the community sector at the moment. Um, Last week, we had on the podcast Minister Davidson, the ACT Minister for Disability, and she acknowledged that uh, many of the clients and community sector service users are engaging organisations like our own with increasing complexities. So they've got a lot going on in their lives and their need for assistance often involves multiple issues and disadvantages. So they're people who are being knocked, at, knocked around from all sorts of directions. When we look at that increasing complexity, are organisations like our own funded sufficiently to really fully meet the advocacy needs of those people? Thanks, Rob. Look, it was really good to hear Minister Davidson speak and acknowledge her understanding of what the community sector is actually going through at this time. And certainly it's not just at this time. It is historically advocacy organisations have always struggled to achieve sufficient funding to meet demands of people who are seeking advocacy. We're not funded sufficiently and that is, we can demonstrate that because currently the demand on advocacy services um, from people seeking assistance is just continues to grow um, in a rate that, you know, even for myself being in, in working in advocacy organisations for the past 10 years, it's phenomenal. And the yeah, other certainly current because of we're hopefully on the other side of COVID now and mitigating the risks around that. But, you know, if you think back, you know, the bushfires um, back in 2019, 20, and, you know, so there's a whole complexity of reasons why people are now seeking advocacy services uh, and it's certainly not going away. So for an organisation like ours, we've seen growth um, of over 100% previous to the 2009 year and you know, we haven't received any further funding to be able to assist us uh, to provide services to these people. I, in my last podcast when we were speaking, you know, I spoke about the incredible role that the advocates are doing to try and meet that demand. And that's not going away. So, you know, we, we really do need to address this issue quickly. And certainly we have, I have been in touch with our funding bodies and, and discussed these issues with them. So, yes, watch this space, I suppose, Rob, and, and hopefully you know, there will be that acknowledgement that advocacy services are incredibly vital within the community and they'll seek to fund us sufficiently so that we can continue to meet demand. He's hoping that uh, will be the case. 
generally, certainly for, for a number of months now, there's been quite a lot of focus on the NDIS and possible changes being considered by the federal government. Most recently, the new federal minister for the NDIS, Linda Reynolds, has indicated there'll be a pause in rolling out mandatory independent assessors, which is probably one of the main focuses of concern for a lot of people in the disability community. Looking at that pause, does it give you hope the government might genuinely be reconsidering its policy direction with NDIS? Or is it more a matter of cautiously waiting to see what comes next? Yeah, certainly. Um, look, hope. Um, it's a funny word, isn't it? What is it? Uh, we're hoping that this pause will cease rolling out of the mandatory independent um, assessments. But I reiterate Dr Emma Campbell's from ATCOS, her take on this, which was that we don't want it to pause. We want it to completely be abandoned. And look, I think that although, of course, it gives hope that they will be reconsidering this policy direction, we want to see it to be completely scrapped altogether. And then I believe that the, the community sector will be quite relieved, obviously. Um, hope um, that, you know, that it's just on hold doesn't mean anything really. It just means that, you know, um, the government is probably just hopefully looking, hopefully they'll take on the, the advice provided by the sector um, about the destructive nature of the um, mandatory ind independent assessments that will um, have on people, which would just be unimaginable. And we can provide case study by case study as to the, the records that, that such um, policies will have on people. So yes, I'll be happy once it's scrapped altogether. Um, now, getting down to the local scene and I, I guess our own organisation, People with Disabilities ACT, or often referred to by the acronym PWD ACT, has been a significant presence in the world of policy and systemic advocacy in the local ACT community since 1982. In terms of most recent, its most recent history, they faced a challenging journey, particularly in terms of their core funding. Now, they've merged with ourselves with advocacy for inclusion. Mergers can be a challenging business, particularly in terms of stakeholder concerns about what might be lost in the process. What message do you have for people who've had a significant connection with PWD ACT over the years? Hmm. No, that's a really good question, Robin. Thanks for asking that. Look, you're absolutely right, PWD ACT um, has been a formidable force within the ACT, as you said, since 1982. And there's a lot of goodwill, there's a lot of um, people who are, who are invested in the community uh, into PWD and, and certainly the role that they've played um, over these years. As we know, over the past few years, PWD hasn't been able to, to meet the challenges and that's largely due to the, the funding um, that they've been provided and the being able to, to roll out services and their activities to to the community because of that funding. Um, so obviously as we've just discussed, that is that's one of the impacts when, when an organization hasn't been or isn't correctly funded to be able to provide those that, those core services. Uh, I, I'm very aware that PWD ACT really did forge ahead and try to tackle that those issues that were before them. And unfortunately, uh, as, as things happen, they weren't able to, to continue under the current funding streams that, that they owned. So 
we came along and well, certainly PWD did approach advocacy for inclusion with the understanding that our values and missions are aligned. Both organisations are DPOs or disabled persons organisations and so our values and our core beliefs around uh, what we need to achieve you know, were certainly uh, there and uh, so it made perfect sense for advocacy for inclusion to, to assist in this. So the message I have for people who've had that significant connection with PWD is that you'll see the continued presence of that organisation coming, merging through and starting to come through um, AFI services. And certainly over the next few months, we will start to deliver their key activities again. And, you know, in the same manner and um, inclusion that, that has um, been taking place over the last few years. Uh, so, you know, for instance, um, one thing we are doing, Rob, is, um, as you'd be well aware, is, is the camp um, reinvigorating the, the Canberra Review. And, and that's going to be a little bit of a different format, which was seen previously. Uh, but um, I'm very excited about that space and, and looking for, we'll be looking certainly for uh, feedback from community as to, to how that's going as we, as we progress along, but also that um, strong policy base and, you know, ensuring that the ACT is well represented um, in the policy space and, you know, being at the table, if you like, and PWD ACT is certainly there alongside AFI going forward. So in terms of going forward, what will actually be taking place is over the next few months and then six months um, and then 12 months going forward, as this merger takes um, continues to progress, at this time what we're expecting is the organisation will merge into one. So we're not really sure how that's going to look yet. We're certainly working with um, uh, professionals in that space to guide us and, and certainly looking for that community, the community stakeholder groups to um, have, a, have a voice in, in how that will look as well. Now, all those things are yet to take place, but that's certainly in our vision of, of how we're looking. So things that, that are going to be challenging is looking at our, our names. Um, so currently AFI, we, you know, we have certainly, uh, has been around for quite some time and, um, you know, the stewardship from, from previous um, CEOs and staff um, have pushed the um, the presence of AFI and going forward to, from strength to strength and certainly the same for PWD ACT. So the next challenge will be looking for that new name and, and merging that organisation into one and those things will take time but it is also an exciting time as well and, and you know as we we continue to progress you know we will certainly be be reviewing what we're doing, ensuring that our effectiveness uh, into, back into the community and looking for that feedback from the community as to, as to how we are going, which is really important. So, yeah, please, if any of the listeners or any of anyone has any questions or that concerns um, that they'd like to raise regarding this merger, it's a really good time. It's a very positive thing to do to be able to communicate back to us any concerns that you might have, or even the positive things, and um, so that we can we can listen and we can we can review what we're doing, uh, and and that's a really important factor to go forward. We're, and we'll um, we'll include in the write up for this podcast episode the different avenues that people can use to actually contact us and um, give us any free feedback or any concerns they might have about the merger or really any concerns they might have generally about what's going on for themselves if they if they are a person with disability it's really valuable for us to hear that and we know from from the last episode that the minister for disability in the ACT is keen to um to hear if there's any problems out in the community so uh, so we'll include that there 
All right, well, moving on to something a little bit more philosophical, Nick, if you're ready for us. <laughs> so we're, we're now well into 2021 and slowly making way towards a post-COVID world. So there's still a long way to go and there's been a number of hiccups about the rollout of the vaccine. Many people are keen to get back to the way life was before COVID hit. But the COVID era has certainly presented a broad spectrum of experiences at the individual level. We had a couple of conversations last year with Mary Sayers, the CEO for CYPDA, or Children and Young People with Disability Australia. She highlighted that young people with disability certainly experienced disadvantages during the COVID wave, particularly in relation to education. But she also mentioned there were advantages experienced by some, some children who actually thrive being away from the physical classroom environment. Are there inclusive lessons to be learned from that spectrum of experience and diversity of experiences, things working for some and not working for others, that we can do things differently in a way that best suits individuals and that actually embracing that diversity and embracing a diversity of ways of working with and engaging with people will actually be of greater benefit to the community. Absolutely. And there is so many lessons out of COVID that um, I've noted and um, am keen to implement going forward for the organisation. And, and when I say for the organisation, I really mean for our staff and for our, uh, the, the people who are accessing our services. So one specific and completely interesting thing that happened with AFI going into COVID was the, obviously, which I spoke about earlier, the, the demand on advocacy services uh, in the increase, and I spoke about the 100% increase in our, uh, in, in our demand. In fact, it's not 100% now, it's actually more than that. I haven't got the exact data, but I'll, I'll certainly be gathering that. And the ability both for staff, but um, for our consumers to be able to uh, connect together, <clears throat> obviously not face-to-face, -face, but in that different format. And one thing that I, I was really quite remarkable to me was not, not only that we could do that, which was very fortunate for AFI that we had that technology to be able to connect in with people, but also the, the freedom that it provided and the accessibility to the organisation that having those technologies provided. Now, obviously, we had safeguards in place and you know, risk assessments around priority issues and actually getting to our clients. So we did have that um, capacity uh, to be able to meet you know, in a safe environment, and, and which we certainly did. But there was twofold. It increased our productivity because we were able to be more places at once, obviously, which is good and bad, obviously, in terms of um, monitoring staff well-being uh, and, um, and things. But it did increase our capacity to be able to assist all clients appropriately. But not only that, there was also the experience of, of many people that are, um, that are vulnerable and isolated and, and in, um, you know, who may have been really reluctant at one stage to actually venture out and, and, and meet an advocate either you know, uh, in a public space somewhere or come into the office. And what it did, it opened up their world and it connected them through, you know, through IT and uh, everything, all the technologies that were made available at that time uh, to, to be connected with people, not only their advocates, but to a, a, the greater society, if you like. Now, that is, that is so incredibly important. And look, I, it's something I do not want to see disappear post-COVID. You know, I want that... Uh, that continuation of 
meetings and uh, forums being provided in uh, both face-to-face -face and online formats to ensure that the, the people that um, that uh, are isolated and vulnerable are provided with options to connect. And, you know, there has been some, you know, people would say that, you know, uh, Zoom meetings and um, team meetings and all of those types of things, you know, actually you know, they're not personable and, um, you know, a whole gamut of range of, of issues that obviously come along with those types of formats and meeting formats. However, for people who have that safety that they want to be within their safe environments, having accessibility through these um, infrastructures is so vital. And the, the thing about COVID is we... We met to the challenge. We went to the challenge, and you know we invested in the in infrastructure to be able to provide it. And I really want to see that go forward. So even within you know, community organisations who are holding forums, you know people who would not normally have been there are in that room, and they feel safe in that room. And for me, that is that that's incredible. That is wonderful. So that's one, I guess, positive coming out of COVID is, um, is, is that connection of people. And um, I, look at, I, I think I do hope, I, I really do hope that going forward, people will recognise the benefits of or learn from what we did uh, during the COVID times to ensure that we were getting to our people or to members of the community and continue that into the future. I think that, that that will, you know, just be an incredible thing. I am starting to see, and we certainly are, and I understand why. We are starting to see that return to face-to-face -face meetings and um, where different uh, formats or online structures and infrastructure is, is being sort of wiped and, and not being offered with some meetings. And I have challenged a few or requested, you know, times that, um, you know, that be provided on a, you know, Zoom or team platform, and that was um, probably met with a bit of scepticism in terms of, you know, oh, no, look, we don't really need to do that anymore. We can meet face-to-face. -face. But I don't think what people are considering is the accessibility that it actually provides to people. So I hope that that is listened to and reinforced going forward. I remember reading an article uh, quite a while ago, and I've forgotten the details, but it was, um, it was written by a person with disability. And kind of pointing at the experience of um, COVID and the lockdowns and the changes that happened. And I think his central point was that for so often trying to enter the workforce, the adjustments that needed to be, to be made for, for him to enter the workforce were flagged as, as too hard and too difficult. And then, you know, he pointed to the fact of meetings happening via the internet and, and things like that and said, well, all of these all of these adaptations that were lagged as, as too hard, look, we're all doing it now. So um, it was an illustration that we actually can um, make changes that work better for people and actually lead to a more inclusive workforce, kind of actually achieve those outcomes that we certainly advocate for. There's really quite a lot to, to sit and learn from this experience of the past 18 months. Absolutely. Yes, and the challenge will be to continue those, uh, what we did learn to, to, to reflect and to, to take the benefits of, you know, what was quite an awful time for many people or for, all, for us all. Uh, but um, exciting times ahead can be had, I think, by embracing what worked well 
and um, I certainly hope that that is continued into the future. Those those learnings are taken into the future. So, Nick, um, what are you what are you looking forward to as we head towards the second half of twenty twenty one? What what are the good things that you're looking forward to and hoping to see achieved in the months ahead? Lots of exciting times, lots of very busy and challenging times as well. Uh, and I guess with the merger with PWD um, ACT, that's that's going to be challenging but also exciting. And as that evolves, we'll certainly see more and more um, understanding perhaps those little things that we don't know what will take place uh, come through. And but I'm very I am very excited about how that's looking so far. And as you'd be aware. AFI staff have certainly embraced uh, this new way of um, going forward and um, have been very, you've been fantastic in providing ideas and you know, ways that we can actually continue to implement those PWD activities, which has been really good. Look, obviously, um, this year we're all Australians are Australians are looking at um, the vaccination after COVID 19 and, and certainly. Um, I'm looking forward to AFI being within the ACT community, being ensuring that, that information is getting out to our community and, and people have, have accessible information to know, um, make informed decisions around <clears throat> what they're wanting to do and you know, where they can get that uh, vaccination. Uh, so, and then obviously, you know, once we open up again from, from uh, getting into the later stages of the year, we'll see um, different things evolve and um, things that perhaps we're still off limits now, um, you know, such as travel, overseas travel and things like that will open up and um, you know, we'll, start, we'll certainly start to see some of our consumers being able to, to get out and about and start sharing their experiences with COVID, which I think is, is still an important thing to be able to, for people to be able to do. So I look a really exciting year ahead, a challenging year ahead and you know, AFI itself is going through quite significant changes as well. So, um, as you know, we had Bonnie Millen uh, leave and Bonnie was our policy officer and policy manager for many years. And um, so Stacey Reese has now taken over from where Bonnie left off and, and you know, we're seeing some incredible things take place in that space and things that I know Bonnie was really excited to be able to, to share with as well. And um, uh, so lots of changes are taking place, um, but all, all for the better. And um, and as we go forward, you know, we'll see those certainly come into play. And um, so, yeah, um, watch this space again, Rob, I think is my ending paragraph on that one. Great. Well, Nick, thank you very much for um, giving us your time this morning. And we hope to have you back again sometime maybe later in the year. Fantastic, Rob. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.